Welcome to The Reserve, a news and thoughts podcast from the Central Verse. I'm your host, Caleb Nygaard. Today is episode number six. I'll note at the top that we're recording this at a little after 1 p.m. on Friday, September 10th. Uh, this is kind of our first uh, breaking news emergency episode, and I couldn't be more excited because when big Fed news stories like these have broken in the past, uh, what I wanted more than anything was to hear uh, from the journalists themselves. I wanted to hear them talk about the story. Uh, so I'm delighted to introduce Michael Derby, Fed beat aficionado, who's on the ground reporting about what the Fed is doing and saying and is a regular part of every Fed Watcher's uh, routine. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, this should be fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm uh, also happy to welcome back Stephen Kelly. Stephen, welcome. Thanks, Caleb. Now, I just want to start off, uh, Michael, if you could give us just a one-minute version of the news itself. What, what did you break uh, earlier this week on Tuesday? So every year, uh, the, all 12 regional Federal Reserve presidents have to submit financial disclosure forms that list how much money, you know, I mean, like what their asset position is, and also what sort of financial tra- transactions uh, they have engaged in over uh, the last calendar year, in this case, 2020. Normally, these statements are pretty anodyne. Um, they're just like, you know, swapping money around mutual funds, like the kind of stuff, you know, uh, people would have to do to, you know, prepare for their retirements, that sort of thing. What stood out this year was um, two of the Federal Reserve officials, the uh, uh, Boston Fed leader, and in particular, the Dallas Fed leader, Robert Kaplan, actually reported fairly uh, fairly extensive financial trading in stocks and various investment funds. And in the case of Mr. Kaplan, um, a former investment banker at Goldman Sachs, these were many, many trades in excess of $1 million or more in uh, stocks and also in uh, funds that uh, in some cases were interest rate related funds and uh, stock market futures funds. So that is unusual to see. Um, I've been doing this a long time and I don't <laughs> think I have seen anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. This And this story really cut through, uh, which in this cycle of, of Fed news with all the with the Fed chair race going on and all of the talk about uh, about that and everything, this story still really uh, caught on and I think is is already doing some some pretty significant damage to uh, kind of to reputation of the Fed. Now, now, before we kind of react and, and talk a little bit more, uh, at least Stephen and I react to, to this, this kind of unbelievable news. Um, I, I want to ask just a follow up just to give you a chance to talk a, a little bit more about like how you got this story. I'm not sure how much you can share or, or what, but to the degree that you can, you know, walk us through the process. Uh, you said that this was scheduled an annual thing. It was scheduled to come out on Friday. So did you, you know, you, you opened it up and kind of walk us through what that was like. Yeah. I mean, I, I would love to say it's some sort of Woodward and Bernstein sort of thing, <laughs> but, um, but instead it's actually more just about being, you know, I'm, I, I've, I'm a, I'm a beat reporter. You know, I, I sit there and I watch all the fed speak, you know, I cover yep. all the speeches. I watch the research that comes out of the banks. So, you know, a lot of this, the uh, publicly available information and, uh, I've been doing it a long time and I know that there's, you know, different rhythms for different things that they, you know, put out. And uh, I knew that usually late in the summer is financial disclosure time. Some of the banks uh, like New York, San Francisco um, and uh, Minneapolis off the top of my head, 
just simply post their disclosure form. You know, they, they don't, they don't send out a press release to say, Hey, we've got, you know, it's, <laughs> it's time it's here, but you know, somewhere buried deep in their website under the governance section, they'll, they'll post that document up. Some of the other banks, you have to ask them for it. Interesting. And, and so uh, Dallas, for example, was one you have to ask for. Um, and in some cases they kind of try to, mirror like a FOIA type of process, uh, which the reserve banks in this kind of weird status of quasi private or exempt or, or somehow not exempt, uh, not under FOIA laws. Um, but it's like a FOIA like process. And, and you just simply have to say, I want to see the document and wasn't much, you know, too much hassle. Uh, everybody just, uh, I mean, they, there was a little, little bit of time it took to get, you know, get all the documents together and look them over. Um, but they, you know, I asked and they, they handed them over. And in, in, in a way, you know, it was just a matter of just knowing the institution, knowing its rhythms and, and knowing when to ask for it. So, I mean, it, it you know, it wasn't, uh, it was pretty much as simple as that. Yeah, this is, that, that's, that's incredible. That's, that's awesome. And that's what a lot, I think, about this Fed watching and this uh, info about about what the Fed is doing. A lot of it is on 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 a rhythm and and, and finding. There's a lot of publicly available information to go through, and so we as a consumer and in the public, we're, we're uh, super uh, grateful for uh, the, the reporting that you do not just on this, but on on the other stuff. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the 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 type of things that they that they were buying and why in particular it was it was problematic so in the case of um mr kaplan at the dallas fed you know he he's a guy he's a he's a, a very wealthy man um he, you know he worked for 20 years at goldman sachs uh he was a professor at harvard for i guess about roughly a decade before he got um picked to replace uh Richard Fisher, who was also a very, very rich man, you know, private equity. Yeah. So uh, the role that Rob Kaplan has played at the Dallas Fed is as best as I can tell is, I mean, you know, he, he is the, you know, one of the Fed people who are very connected to markets. You know, he's a guy, you know, having been in markets and with that experience, you know, he, he's a very closely watched voice on financial issues, you know, like how monetary policies affecting the economy, but even more how monetary policy is uh, affecting the financial sector, because the Fed obviously cares a lot about uh, financial stability and how its policies are, you know, impacting financial markets. And so when you go through his statements, and in the end, I ended up pulling all of them all the way back to when he started at 2015. What stands out is there's just, I mean, in, er in any given year, there are dozens of trades in stock names like Apple, General Electric, uh, oil companies, um, Chipotle, and they're not they're not small scale trades. Sure. This is like um, the the reporting forms only like that they top out at one you know they hit a, a disclosure level of a million or more, and so when you look at it when you look at forms for a guy like that you don't expect you're not surprised when you see they, you know, they report a lot of assets because you know they came into the job very wealthy. So you're not surprised to see they have huge holdings. But the, and there's a section in the form about transactions, and under these things there were, um, for each line item there were multiple buying and selling in excess of one million dollars. So we only have a baseline of one million. Beyond that, I mean, who the hell knows? It, it could have, it could have been multi, multi millions. 
so the stock trading is is you know the, the the trading in securities is one thing, but then there were in almost every year there were trades in like interest rating. I'm sorry, interest rate floating ETFs. I mean, I, I don't have oh, the gosh. right in front of me, but um, S and P futures, like the types of securities that w- would be directly connected to changes in monetary policy. Uh, and, you know, if you were a person sitting at the FOMC table, you know, you, you are not coming into to transactions with these type of securities. You know, you're, you, you have a lot of information because you're, you're literally, you know, if you're trading interest rates and you're setting interest rates, that's, <laughs> um, you know, that's, uh, that's a pretty privileged place to be in. Now, the, the, the trick of it is, is that the, all the reserve banks have their own codes of conducts and, and these codes of conducts do things like restrict, you know, like they can't own stocks in banks and sort of financial companies that are regulated by the Fed. And they're also told, you know, they're, they're, they're limited in trading like around certain dates, which uh, I believe are, you know, federal market committee dates. So they can't trade around FOMC meetings. And they also um, have to hold securities for uh, you know a certain amount of time. Although from what I can tell, they have to hold securities for a pretty short amount of time. Um, and so, the Dallas Fed said that all of Mr. Kaplan's trading had been signed off on by the bank's general counsel, consistent with the code of conduct. So that's what was in <laughs> that's what's in the statements, and um, you know uh, the. A lot of observers, uh, you know, I did what I could to share as publicly as I could what I saw in the um, in the disclosures uh, so people could, you know, take a look and see for themselves, you know, what they thought about it. In the case of the Boston Fed leader, um, there was a lot of trading. Um, I, I only pulled his form for 2020, so I can only speak to 2020, but there was a lot of active uh, stock trading, um, albeit at a much, much smaller scale. Um, sure. And uh, I have to give my credit credit to the, uh, the folks over at Bloomberg who followed me on this stuff, and and they actually did a much deeper dive on on Mr. Rosengren's trading and and spotted that he had done things like traded uh, real estate, uh, you know, real estate related things, and he has been a you know pr- pretty persistent public worrier about you know the state of uh, commercial real estate, housing, that sort of thing in general. So both these men were trading in securities that, one way or another, really did were being impacted by the, also the choices and the knowledge they had from, you know, being around the FOMC table. So Michael, one thing we don't have, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is the specific dates on which these trades are executed, correct? Uh, that is correct. Although uh, I'd have to go back to review um, Rosen, Mr. Rosengren's forms at Boston, but in the case of uh, the Dallas Federal Reserve Bank, that there were so many trades that they just, it's just multiple. They didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I've asked but have not gotten uh, specific information on dates of trading. I've asked multiple times and I don't have that information yet. Yeah, yeah, that would certainly be incredibly valuable. Um, I mean, just, just uh, you know, I would say personally, I find this all pretty unsavory. And, and you know, uh, Caleb usually invites me on because I have, I have something to offer. And really, the only thing I have to offer is just the question of why. I don't, you know, um, but to, 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 to give a little bit more benefit of the doubt, let's, you know, let's assume, okay, you got a rich guy, he's got to trade in and out of Tesla or Apple or whatever in any, any given year um, is, you know, I, I've been looking through these and I don't see a ton. I mean, the floating rate bond stands out for, for Kaplan. Um, 
we talked on Twitter last night a little bit about how he he doesn't have a seat at the table necessarily for the purchasing of corporate bonds, yeah. which is a which is a board decision, which the Fed also did this year, though. So again, that's that's where you know the timing of of what he knew or didn't know, and when he did these purchases would be interesting. Um, but you know, some of these gas companies stand out. Uh, he he bought a Latin uh, Latin American ETF. Uh, stands out as the only looks like the only non-us uh listed you know that that strikes you know the fed's doing swap lines and things like that those are those are in the purview of the fomc uh that that strikes me as concerning too but uh, was there anything else you saw to i mean really draw a direct line obviously any stock is going to be is going to benefit from interest rate policy um you know the the boston fed ran the money market facility uh, which you could maybe loosely connect to mortgage rates, which which I know Rosengren was cha- trading. But was there anything you saw that really was a direct line here beyond, you know, c- kind of general interest rate policy? Beyond, but what beyond what we've already talked about? No, and I mean it's so you know we're we're one of the things that we really need to hear from are actually the, these two guys themselves, you know, beyond some, uh, cause I, uh, I don't know, well, I suppose we'll get to this. I mean, on, on yesterday, late, late in the day, they both announced that they were going to di- divest their individual stock holdings and move the money into, uh, into diversified mutual funds or cash, um, both stating and fairly identical, you know, fairly close statements that they wanted to avoid any perception of uh, conflict of interest. But, you know, we, we do at some point need to hear from them, like what, what were they thinking? Um, you know, in the story that I published yesterday about, uh, you know, the divestiture part of this uh, puzzle, um, Catherine Judge, a professor uh, at Columbia University, you know, said that there one of the big things that her one of her big concerns was, you know, I mean, there's there's the letter of the law and the spirit of the law, and so, you know, the, the code of conduct says you can do you know, what we've already talked about and their general counsels, um, you know, signed off, you know, their internal lawyers signed off on it, but, you know, should they have, you know, should they have shown better judgment? You know, that's a question for other people to answer. Um, mm-hmm. and at some point it'd be really, I think worthwhile for both of them to also explain themselves. You know I mean? Like, was, did they, would, why do they think, why do they think this was was okay to do Mm -hmm. Um, it's they we really need to hear from them because uh, you know beyond that it's we're still at a stage where there's a lot of speculation and and obviously a lot of people looked at this information and you know it's confirming a lot of priors for people it's fueling Mm -hmm. pre-existing conspiracy theories about the fed all kinds of things um you know there were you know we we definitely have a lot of facts here but there's still we still need a lot of information to really understand what happened in this situation and, and like how you know how how you know what how big an issue this is yeah yeah and and, um one other thing i think this raises is is and caleb can speak to the sort of convoluted structure of fed presidents but one other issue this raises i mean aside from conflict of interest like you said there's the way things look and the way things are and, and why you know why they might have done this or not done this but this also, I, I mean, kind of raises an issue of competence, I think, you know, I mean, it's not like the, I doubt these trades made Kaplan or Rosengren a billion dollars. So it's like, if, if you're the president of one of these reserve banks, I mean, that just strikes me as an incompetent move to be trading anything, let alone some of the, some of the more, uh, you know, the more sinister things that were traded. And, 
you know, I wonder if it opens questions about their future in their in their roles uh, as presidents. I don't know how their boards will react to this. And, and again, Caleb, you may have more insight on on the various structures there, the, ver- the various people that they're actually accountable to. Um, but I would imagine, you know, nobody on those those boards is is that that happy about this. Yeah, no, and I'll just add really, really quick to uh, a couple of thoughts uh, to this. The, you know, Michael, one of the things that I appreciated in, in one of your stories, I think this was the one from yesterday, from Thursday, uh, was you quoted from the, the, the Dallas Fed employee code of conduct. So, so the book itself and, and this coupled with that, that great quote from, uh, from Kate Judge. Uh, that, you know, they may and other people were making this I think Roberto Perley was making this comment on Twitter as well that, you know, they may have followed the letter of the law, but they didn't follow the spirit. But something that I think they miss is that these these code, these books of uh, codes of conduct and these policies actually write the spirit of the law into the law itself. Uh, you know, you, you quote from the book as saying uh, the the that staff should avoid conduct, quote, which gives rise to an actual or apparent conflict of interest. Close quote. And it's hard to imagine in any world uh, that, uh, that this doesn't uh, have the appearance of uh, conflict of interest. Uh, and, 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 and so I'm, I'm going to give you a, a chance to respond if, if, if you'd like to, uh, to any of this. Uh, you know, you've mentioned on Twitter as well that this may not be the last shoe to drop, not well, necessarily knowing inside yeah, info. I, I, don't, I don't know where the excuse me, I don't know where this is going to end up. Um, but, you know, uh, as, you know, students of the Federal Reserve, we know that, you know, it is an institution now that is much more open and transparent about what it does than how it used to be. And, I, you know, I think, you know, central banks in the United States have always generated a lot of skepticism and, and concern among, you know, certain corners, certain political corners, and just, you know, it's, it's always people have kind of looked to them with some level of, of concern, you know, either not understanding what central banks do or central banks not communicating what they do well. Um, and so there, even to this day, you know, we all know that there is a large, there are a large number of people out there who see nefarious things in central bank actions all the time. And, yep. you know, sent the Fed depends on people understanding its policies and having people, you know, uh, you know, seeing credibility and and what the officials say and what they do. And, you know, in the reaction that I've seen to the, you know, to this, this information coming out, you know, this is, this is red meat to a lot of uh, conspiracy theorists to market skeptics. And it's the kind of thing now where, um, you know, in the, you know, in in my story, I quoted from Peter Connie Brown at at, uh, University of Pennsylvania. And, you know, he mentioned, you know, this is the kind of thing where, when one of these officials goes out and, and talks, I mean, you know, they, they may now be divesting themselves, but, you know, people are always going to wonder, like, what, is there another angle? Like, are they, are they, when they talk about monetary policy or markets or whatever, are they, are they talking about, uh, you know, Fed policy or something that like personally benefits them? And, and that's going to be the kind of thing where for, you know, um, a lot of people, those kind of thoughts are going to be going through their head and that's going to, that's going to, that's, that kind of stuff's going to stick around for a long time to come. And I don't know how, you know, I don't know what else the Fed needs to do, you know, to, to clean house or, or straighten this out or correct, you know, perceptions. Um, you know, it's, it's, I suppose it's one thing to go ahead and sell off, you know, your individual stocks, but you know, the, the, the fact is, you know, the, the trading already happened. And so yeah. it's, it's, it's one thing that it won't continue to happen, but it already happened. And so I don't, 
know how these perceptual questions will be answered. You know, like what 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 the credibility hit uh, to the Fed, you know, will be over over time. Absolutely, yeah. This is a an, an evolving story, uh, and it, it's it's definitely not over. Um, you know, for uh, removal uh, outside of resignations, although in the last decade we have had uh, a resignation from a reserve bank president. That's for another another day. Uh, uh, but, you know, the board, uh, the board of directors of each reserve bank uh, could remove uh, the reserve bank president. The, the governors in and in Washington uh, would have to remove the board of directors before the uh, and replace them before they could uh, replace. Them. Well, so there's I'll add, I'll add one more, one more thing. When you talk about other, other people, you know, other, like boards in, you know, boards removing people or the, or the federal reserve board acting or taking some sort of action. And again, I, I'm not going to speculate about what anybody is going to do. Cause I don't know what the answer to that is, but one other wrinkle to this and that is still not a very, not an area of great clarity is that all 12 regional federal reserve presidents just went through like every five years, they have to go through a, uh, a renomination process to another five-year term, and so under that process, which this this in this iteration um, was run by Lael Brainerd, uh, Federal Reserve Governor Lael Brainerd, you know the 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 board and the boards of directors that oversee the regional Federal Reserve banks have a deep conversation about the performance of the leader and how they're you know what what they're up to, and so. I do not know the answer yet whether or not these financial disclosures were part, you know, came up in any of this. But the bottom line is, um, all the reserve, all twelve of them were, uh, re, you know, just renominated for new five-year terms. I think back in January. So, so, uh, so other, the you know, the the boards and the, the the boards of directors and the the Federal Reserve Board might also need to, you know, they may need to think about you know, what they were looking at when this process played out. Absolutely. That would, that would certainly be a twist if this splash back on Brainerd in the middle yeah. of this, of this chair race. Yeah. Again, again, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, you know, I, I'm just saying that they went through this renomination mm-hmm. process. Right, right. Uh, the board was involved. The boards of directors at the banks were involved. I don't know yet, you know, whether this came up at all or whatever, mm-hmm. but, you know, but this was like the, uh, this was an opportunity where, you know, all, all of the bank presidents, you know, did get a, get a, a pretty thorough evaluation for how they were doing and what they were up to. So uh, I, you know, I, I don't know what we'll find out, but, um, but there are, that's another area where we, you know, we, we need to learn some more. So there, there, on a lot of fronts there, we still need a lot of information. You know, these, these, the, the two gentlemen involved in the trading, they, it would be very helpful if, you know, they spoke publicly about, you know, what their thinking was um, and also, you know, what happened in this renomination process and did these, did this, did these dis- disclosure forms come up and, you know, cause it, maybe they didn't, uh, maybe they did. I don't know. And if they didn't this past time, you can bet they're going to next time. <laughs> This is at least we'd hope we would hope that this is a, a, a lesson learning moment. Uh, we're having this call in, in, in public right now, and I'm sure they, there are many happening today uh, behind the, the Fed walls. So we will all be uh, watching very closely with notifications turned on yeah. for uh, Michael, uh, for your, your Twitter feed, looking for your next story. Um, and any other uh, final words before we wrap up? 
No, I mean, I guess this is this is uh, still I would still put this under a breaking story. So we'll we'll see where this goes. Awesome. Again, this is uh, September 10th, Friday afternoon. We're recording this. Uh, if we if we get more excitement, uh, uh, we look forward to having you back on. So we'll wrap it there. Um, thank you again to Michael, who's on Twitter at Michael S. Derby. And thank you, Stephen, who's at Stephen Kelly 49. Until next time. Thanks for listening.